Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're covering agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. Sales of farm tractors continue to grow. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have that story coming up. Nearly 70% of the state experiencing abnormally dry to exceptional drought conditions. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. Who's championing the next farm bill? I'm Gary Joyner and I'll explore some answers to that question coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domo with news headlines. Overall farm tractor unit sales continue to grow across North America in October, despite a small pause in the larger unit sales in Canada. The latest data from the Association of Equipment Manufacturers says that total farm tractor sales in the U.S. rose 18% in October compared to 2019, while self-propelled combine sales in the U.S. grew almost 50%. Four-wheel drive unit sales in the U.S. grew for the third straight month in October, up almost 23 percent to 635 units, putting year-to-date segment sales in the black for the first time this year at 1 percent higher. Total year-to-date farm tractors out the door are up 15 percent in 2020, while combine sales are now up 5.5 percent on the year. The USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service has published a new list of updates to its National Conservation Practice Standards. The revisions include 58 standards that have been updated or revised since August. The 2018 Farm Bill requires NRCS to review all 169 of its national conservation practices to seek opportunities to increase flexibility and incorporate new technologies. Acting NRCS Chief Kevin Norton said, These practices are the building blocks of conservation, and they're science-based and site-specific. The National Conservation Practice Standards provide guidelines for planning, designing, installing, operating, and maintaining conservation practices. As China continues to recover from the African swine fever outbreaks that resulted in the culling or death of thousands of pigs, demand for U.S. pork continues to grow. According to the U.S. Meat Export Federation, 2020 pork exports are at a record pace. Exports reached 222,475 metric tons in September. That is up 6% in value to just over $563 million. Shipments to China and Hong Kong remain higher than a year ago, but made up a smaller share of the global total in September compared to recent months. In the first three quarters of this year, pork exports were 16% ahead of last year's pace in terms of both volume and value. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. STEM programs continue to receive growing attention and recognition in schools across the country. In fact, STEM Day was celebrated earlier this week. 
Agricultural education programs can be a valuable source of STEM education, promoting science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, and we like to say that we, we promote STEAM, uh, which would be agriculture is included in, in that acronym for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Um, but we think ag fits really neatly into that space as well. That's Texas FFA Executive Director Austin Large, who says ag education and the FFA promote STEM learning through hands-on classroom education, at-home supervised education projects, and FFA contests. Those are all areas and avenues where students can apply those concepts of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics um, into real-world settings through agriculture as the context for that. Large says Texas FFA has launched noteworthy business careers, established CEOs, and played an integral role in creating some of the state's most respected leaders. The recent ice and snowstorm in the Panhandle and southern plains of Texas did some damage to the cotton crop that was still in the field. Ockletree County AgriLife Extension agent Scott Strawn. The lower bowls, depending on the variety, we see a lot of stringing of that lint. Ice and that snow will pull that lint out of the bowl onto the ground. And some fields are really bad and some of them it's just hanging in there good. So it's kind of all over the board on that. Strawn says the extent of the damage will depend upon the maturity of the plant at the time of the freeze. Nearly 70% of Texas is experiencing abnormally dry to exceptional drought conditions. Tom Nicoletti takes a closer look. According to the latest Texas Drought Monitor, autumn across the state continues to be quite dry. 22% of the state is abnormally dry, moderate drought over 20%, severe drought covers 11%, extreme drought 9%, and exceptional drought 3%. Approximately 68% of the state falls into these categories from abnormally dry to exceptional drought. Most of the extreme and exceptional drought extends from the southern Texas panhandle into the South Plains, along the state line between Texas and New Mexico, southward into the Guadalupe Mountains National Park, into the Trans-Pecos, towards the Big Bend area of the state. There is another small pocket of extreme and exceptional drought extending from Medina to Maverick County in southwest Texas. Looking at the latest U.S. Department of Agriculture's National Agricultural Statistics Service Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report, cotton is in fair, poor, or very poor condition depending on the region of the state, 26% fair, 37% poor, and 13% very poor. On peanuts, 54% of the state is in fair condition, 37% good. Sorghum shows 13% excellent, 32% good, and 33% in fair condition at this point. On soybeans, 65% of the state's crop is in good condition, while 29% in fair condition. As we look at the crops more specifically, let's go to small grains. Winter wheat seeding stalled in some areas of south-central Texas, the Edwards Plateau, south Texas, and the High Plains, where conditions were less favorable. But some winter wheat planting continued to progress in areas of the Edwards Plateau, the Texas Blacklands, the Cross Timbers, and the Low Plains, where conditions were more favorable. To row crops, cotton harvest continues to progress in areas of the High and Low Plains and the Edwards Plateau. However, some cotton producers in the low plains continue to assess potential crop loss and damage from the previous freeze, which occurred last week. P. 
peanut harvest continued in areas of the southern high plains and the cross timbers in south Texas. On fruit, vegetable, and specialty crops, pecan producers in the Cross Timbers and the Edwards Plateau also assess the extent of possible freeze damage in some areas of their orchards. Citrus harvest continued in the lower Rio Grande Valley, while vegetable harvest also continued to make good progress. We go to livestock range and pasture conditions, where supplemental feeding continues in the northern Texas High Plains to Cross Timbers, the Blacklands, the Edwards Plateau, South Central Texas, the Upper Coast, and Southern Texas. Stock tank levels continue to fall in some areas of South Texas and the Cross Timbers, while pasture conditions were rated fair to poor overall. I'm Tom Nicolotti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There will be some major changes in agricultural leadership in the next Congress. Gary Joyner has more from Waco. The key players of agricultural policy in Congress will have some new faces next year. Gone from the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House will be three of the four main negotiators of the most recent farm bill. Texas Congressman Mike Conaway and Senator Pat Roberts of Kansas are each retiring after years of service and committee leadership. Minnesota Congressman Colin Peterson, the current chair of the House Committee on Agriculture, was defeated in his re-election bid on November 3rd after 30 years of service. Of the four Farm Bill negotiators, only Senator Debbie Stabenow of Michigan returns to Capitol Hill. Both the Senate and House will have new chairs of their respective agriculture committees. Democratic Representatives David Scott of Georgia and Jim Costa of California are both seeking the committee chairmanship in the House. Scott has the most seniority on the committee. Costa is a third-generation family farmer and almond grower from California Central Valley. The nation's farm bill is typically renewed every five or six years. The new Congress that begins in January will begin laying the groundwork for the next farm bill and put its mark on the agricultural policy. It will be interesting to see who steps up to champion the effort. Texas farmers and ranchers will be watching. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. Higher crop prices this fall have increased the payout of crop insurance coverage for corn, soybeans, and cotton covered by the Revenue Protection Policy. Michael Clements reports from Washington. The fall commodity markets rally means crop insurance coverage under the Revenue Protection Policy will be based on the fall harvest price for corn, soybeans, and cotton. American Farm Bureau Federation Chief Economist John Newton says the Revenue Protection Policy with the harvest price option is one of the most popular crop insurance products. When a farmer suffers a crop loss, the harvest price option indemnifies the grower at the higher of the spring price or the harvest price. And the spring price is discovered in February and the harvest price was discovered during the month-long period of October. This is the first year since 2012 the harvest price was triggered for corn and the first time since 2016 for soybeans and cotton. The spring prices for corn, soybeans, and cotton were announced earlier this year at 388 per bushel for corn, 917 for soybeans, and 68 cents per pound for cotton. And all three of those crops have a higher harvest price this year. Soybeans are now 10.55 per bushel, 3.99 per bushel for corn and 69 cents per pound for cotton. So, crop insurance policies will use these higher prices when determining the revenue guarantees. Newton says the harvest price option provides more support for farmers and ranchers who suffered a crop loss this year. Well, for any producers that suffered a crop loss during 2020 this growing season or reduced yields due to adverse weather, the higher harvest prices will help a producer 
thereby indemnifying at the replacement value of the new crop. So this does provide more support for those farmers and ranchers that have suffered a crop loss this year. Learn more on the Market Intel page at FB.org. Michael Clements, Washington. Hunters in select South Texas counties are required to report antlerless deer harvests. I'm Jessica Dommel and I'll have details on Texas Ag today. And if you have an older horse that hasn't had a recent veterinary exam, that horse may have some unknown health issues. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some advice on health care for older horses. Coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. As horses get older, it's important that they have regular exams. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some advice on taking care of those older horses. We typically see horses in their 20s and even 30s in our practice, and probably part of the reason these horses survive that long is because of the routine exams they receive twice a year. Dr. Ben Buchanan indicates in the Remuda publication that one study revealed health issues in older horses are commonly overlooked by owners as 77% of the horses were lame, and yet only 16% of the owners noted any lameness. And 100% of the horses had dental abnormalities, yet only 42% of the owners had their horse's teeth checked over the last year by their veterinarian. A large percentage of owners suspected their horse was having a problem, but only a few of them requested a veterinary exam. And I think this is because of their age and people just feel their horse is getting old and some of the ailments are just due to age. However, we need to remember age is not a disease and your vet can commonly help with some of these conditions of older horses. As horses age, their immune system may not be as strong and they may not respond to vaccines as well. So vaccines may need to be given more often. This is especially true if horses have other diseases like Cushing's disease that can decrease immunity. And Cushing's disease is common in older horses. As over 20% of the horses over 15 years of age suffer from this condition, that can also cause laminitis and founder and breakdown of the suspensory ligaments. Dental abnormalities can lead to lots of issues in an older horse as teeth have little reserved crown, so the horses cannot chew very well and can develop periodontal disease. For these reasons, have your vet examine your older horse and test for Cushing's disease. I hope you enjoyed today's Texas Vet News. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Hunters in select South Texas counties are required to report antlerless deer harvests. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. If you plan on hunting antlerless white-tailed deer in South Texas this year, you may need to report the harvest to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Alan Kane, TPWD's white-tailed deer program leader, encourages hunters to consult the outdoor annual to see if the county they're in is included in those requirements. 
So in these 21 counties, and again, you can find this online, or if you click on your county, you'll be able to see if there's restrictions. But hunters that harvest antlers, deer during any season, so that's archery, the youth-only season, general season, or the muzzleloader season, are required to report antlers deer that they harvested on the My Texas Hunt Harvest app, which is available on your phone, or you can go to our Parks and Wildlife website and find that reporting application there. That was Alan Kane from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. The reporting requirement applies to hunters in the following counties, Austin, Bastrop, Caldwell, Colorado, Kamal, east of I-35, DeWitt, Fayette, Goliad, north of US-59, Gonzales, Guadalupe, Hayes, east of 35, Jackson, north of 59, Carnes, Lavaca, Lee, Travis, east of I-35, Victoria, north of 59, Waller, Washington, Wharton, north of 59, and Wilson. Again, that reporting requirement is for antlerless deer, and the app is called My Tech hunt harvest. The general white-tailed deer season for the north zone runs November 7th through January 3rd. For the south zone, the general season is November 7th through January 17th. You can find this year's Outdoor Annual at OutdoorAnnual.com and on the Outdoor Annual app. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal. It was a mostly lower day for our agricultural markets on Thursday. We'll take a look at all the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it here on Texas Ag Today. Do you know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, Call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was a mostly lower day in our agricultural markets. We did have a mixed cattle market, but still, most of our contracts trading on the lower side. We ended up closing with December live cattle down 42, 111.97. February down 47, 114.80. April live cattle down 45 at 118.35. In the feeder cattle market, November was down 52, 140.07. January feeders up 52 cents, 140.72. March feeder cattle up 50 cents, 139.70. Well, the mostly lower futures market is not deterring the feedlots. They're holding firm this week. It looks like they cleared a lot of inventory out last week and are in a pretty good position to just sit and wait. They've been asking 112 on fed cattle all week. The Packers have upped their bids now to 111, so we may be close to seeing some deals being made, but still no sales to report so far this week. Boxed beef prices mixed. Choice up 371 at 226.55. Select down 20 cents, 208.26. Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now. El Campo Livestock in El Campo, Texas, selling 621 head this week. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers brought $1.41 to $1.73. Three to 400 pound steers, $1.41 to $1.95. Four to five weight steers, $1.42 to $1.80. Five to six hundred pounders, a dollar twenty-three to a dollar fifty-eight, 
and the six to seven weight steers bringing a dollar sixteen to a dollar sixty six a pound. Slaughter cows ten to fifty eight cents. Slaughter bulls sixty to ninety one. Gulf Coast Livestock Auction in Alice, Texas. 658 heads sold this week. The trend there was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.35 to $1.65 a pound. Three to four weight steers, $1.40 to $1.58. Four to 500 pounders, $1.34 to $1.60. Five to six weights, $1.19 to $1.35. Six to 700 pounders, $1.07 to $1.30. And the heavy seven to eight weight steers, 96 to $1.26 a pound. Slaughter cows, 20 to 55 cents. Slaughter bulls, 70 to 78. Stocker cows brought 700 to $1,000 a head. Cow-calf pairs, 750 to 1150 a pair. Now back over to the futures market where lean hogs closed higher. December contract up a dollar, 65.80. February lean hogs up 32 at 66.72. Milk prices lower. November Class 3 milk down 8 cents, 23.42. December milk down 49 at 18.43 a hundredweight. The cotton market closed lower. Traders keeping an eye all week long on Hurricane Ada. It kind of missed that southeast cotton crop, finally making its second landfall near Tampa, Florida, and moving off to the east. So it looks like cotton farmers in that part of the country were able to get back to harvest. And of course, as harvest moves forward, that means harvest pressure shows up in the market. December cotton down 80 points, 68.48. The March contract down 76 at 70.62. The grain markets lower across the board, wheat and corn both finishing lower. It looks like they've given up all of the big gains that we saw on Tuesday after the big USDA WASDE report. December Kansas City wheat down 10 and a quarter, 544. July wheat down nine and a half at 563 a bushel. December corn down nine cents, closing at 408 and a quarter. In the energy markets, December natural gas down six cents, 296. December crude oil down 43 at 4102 a barrel. The financial markets lower with the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 435 points, 28,961. The Nasdaq down 92 at 11,693. The S&P 500 down 45, 3,526. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up yet another edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.